Cast. We want to, of course, consider individuality, but also acknowledge that we don't know everything. And, and there are certain principles that we think are right, but they also might not be. And regardless of who says them, we want to, we want to consider our own experience and our own experience being so important when we're evaluating whether anything is working or whether something is maybe accurate and using that in the same way that we would like just as importantly as we would maybe use a textbook, right? Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna Podcast. This podcast is meant to encourage you to connect within so you can share your light with the world. And now, here's your host, Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Harrison Ma. Welcome, beautiful beings, beautiful, energetic, almost bioenergetic beings. Welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna, another episode, another weekly installment of your inner exploration so you can start spreading that beautiful light out as your beautiful loving expression. Here, the show as always sets the intention of pulling back the layers, restricting your health alignment and love with your host Harrison and the beautiful, powerful guest I get to dive into today. And before I jump to him, before I start getting into the topic of today's show, I want to send some love to all of the existing podcast listeners, the new listeners out there. Thank you for joining us today. I can feel your hearts and your energy. As always on this show, if you get some value out of what we're going to talk about today, and I know you will, please remember that you can share this out into the podcast universe to some friends, some family members, and some people that you care about very much. That's how you can support the show. You can also go over to Apple and Spotify, leave your perspectives, your feedback, and your reviews. And a couple of weeks ago now, I launched the Cosmic Love Antenna Facebook group. So if you're looking for more tribe, more of this beautiful content, head over to Facebook and join that tribe. But with all that foundation, I now want to introduce the powerful man I have on the show today. And I'm so excited. I was just having a chat with him before we started recording and uh, our energies are already aligned. The powerful being the powerful masculine energy i have on the show today is mr jay feldman he is a fellow health coach he's an independent health researcher he is a fellow podcaster which we'll talk about that in a bit bit of depth here today but he is a man that is wise beyond his years his soul really expresses a lot of powerful knowledge and information that just for me personally has helped me along my journey and i wanted to get him on the show today to help you do the same we're going to hone in today on the bioenergetic approach and what this means for you along your path. If you've listened to this show, you know that one of the main intentions is pulling back the layers, restricting health, alignment, and love. And one of these layers is that beautiful physical layer, that physical layer that supports our body, our being, and our energy. And the bioenergetic approach really supports that. So we're going to get into what it is how it supports your being through your diet, through your eating, through your moving, common myths, common misconceptions within the industry outside of the bioenergetic approach, how this is much more than a diet, much more than a way of eating. It's more of a perspective, a lifestyle, and a sort of understanding of the world and so much more. Jay, my friend, welcome to the Cosmic Love Antenna. Thanks for having me, Harrison, and thank you for the lovely introduction. Oh, um, you're, you deserve it. You deserve it, my friend, and so much more. I am. It is really my honor, as I said in the introduction. You know, your which I'm going to plug here straight away. Your your podcast, the Energy Balance Podcast, is. You know, I want to direct people straight away to this that are tuning in. If you when you enjoy this chat today, definitely go check out 
Mr. J's platform because what he's sharing with the world with his partner, Mike Fave, really supports the being to express itself fully. So I'm excited to dive deeper into this with you today, sir. With that, I think where we'll start, my friend, is Jay, I want to, I think we'll break down the bioenergetic approach and how we're going to, I think, do this today is we're going to start with the physical elements and then we'll go deeper into uh, the spiritual and uh, sort of um, uh, metaphysical views of it. But I think before that, I would love to hear a little bit about you, sir, because you know, the bioenergetic approach is a tool and you are the love that channels through that tool. So for people that don't know your voice, haven't listened to your podcast, what, why is this such a big part of your world? So how did the bioenergetic uh, way of viewing the world and the way of eating, moving, living, how did that start for you? Yeah. So it started with a what really began as just as a desire to improve my fitness and in some ways physical health and as as you're kind of alluding to has grown to to be much much more but at the time i was you know had my fitness goals and wanted to do the best i could in achieving those whether it was how i was working out or how i was eating and that built an interest and passion for for health and wellness and led to a lot of experimentation with different diets and a lot of trials and tribulations along the way and falling into various camps that I think a lot of us do when we're on that journey. So some of it was the kind of more mainstream whole grains, low fat, some points vegetarian on the other side to paleo and keto and all through those kind of different diets and feeling different things along the way. Jay, just question. Did you ever... I can't remember if I've heard you speak about this, but did you ever try out carnivore? Any more of the sort of maybe vegan? How 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 far on the in the sort of world did you go? So I didn't get as extreme in the restriction or presence of animal products as as veganism or carnivorism uh, at the time. Carnivore was was not really on the map, um, and yeah, I never went as I, I never went all the way to veganism. Just vegetarian for a period of time but did go to more extremes in other ways, you know, not necessarily in terms of animal products, but in terms of carbohydrate restriction, you know, fully, fully on ketogenic diets or in terms of fasting. And, you know, I, you can get very extreme with fasting, you know, days and weeks. I never went that far, but and we're yeah, gonna, ac- across. The- and we're going to get into that. So just for people listening, I, and thank you for sharing my friend, we're going to get into that because that's the piece that I think within this approach really sort of, highlights a lot of the main differences between the bioenergetic view and a lot of the, how the diets approach intermittent fasting and things like that. So, but before that, Jay, so then where, where did, so you tried all these beautiful things and realized, oh, this isn't, this isn't feeling good. I'm not getting the outcomes. My body's not responding in the way that I deserve to have it respond. Where did the bioenergetic approach fall into your world? Yeah. So you know, the, this world was for me originally a lot of rigidity as well. A lot of, uh, pushing myself, whether it was the consistency in the gym or the rigidity with, with the diet and the supplements and everything. And so I was feeling, I was feeling that not only was I not feeling great in terms of 
my well-being in certain ways, but I was also feeling very, very restricted and was dealing with a lot of just physical hunger and cravings, uh, but also just a more general feeling of restriction. And so that was one of the things that I think left me open to being ready for an alternative view and came across this bioenergetic view and was very excited at the prospect of at the time being able to bring carbohydrates back in for, you know, coming from a low carb diet. Also very excited at the idea of being able to eat more food and the idea that that actually nourishes ourselves as opposed to this idea that we need to keep fighting against the, our body's natural signals, right? We don't feel like going to the gym all the time, but we need to push it because that's how you get stronger. You want to eat the donut or the chips or whatever other you know thing that we think of as junk food, but we just need to stay away from those and eat the things that, yeah, they don't taste that good. And you know it's not our favorite thing, but we have to force it. And so this view wasn't just saying, hey, carbs are good, but it was uh, completely shifted that perspective of this idea that we need to keep fighting against our bodies to rather that these signals, not only are they normal, but they're intentional and that our bodies are very intelligent. They aren't, they aren't uh, mistaken in giving us these signals as long as we listen to them properly or learn how to listen to them. And so that was very and a very exciting prospect for me and led to uh, some completely new ways of thinking about nutrition and health. And it's exciting. it was also something to- It's exciting. Sorry to cut you off, Jacob. This is already flowing. Uh, it's exciting because it's normal. <laughs> it's exciting because you're, that's how your body acts, right? The, this is really, and I'll explain this to you on the, our pre-chat, this is really sort of my take on this is with all these diets, with all these boxes that we place ourselves in, it is n- not just rigid. I would take it a step further here. And we're going to bounce back between you know, energy being described as a sort of process within the body that we're going to talk about. But then I also talk about energy through divine masculine and divine feminine. There's a different hierarchy here. But all of these different ways of being through our nutritional lens, it's not just rigid, it's very masculine, right? It's very, I need to do this, I need to, I need to hold within this in this container. If I go outside of it, if I flow outside of it, allow myself to go listen to my body's innate senses, then I must be wrong. This I'm not fitting into the container that the tribe is in. So I think let's with that, Jay. And you've already started to beautifully do it. Let's lean in now for someone that's new to the bioenergetic approach. How would you define it to someone? If someone just comes up to you, people listening on this podcast, what's the sort of simple understanding of it? Yeah. So the the real simple tagline is that this is we're basing we are looking at health in terms of energy, in terms of energy being the driver of our health. And the presence of greater amounts of energy lead to greater health. And a lack of energy is what leads to the deterioration and degeneration that leads to disease processes, as well as just symptoms of not feeling as good. And that ends up applying to everything, both the food that we're putting in, how much and when, how we move, the sunlight we're exposed to, the conversations we have, and on from there. So it's a lens through which we really not only look at the human body, but look at biology as a whole. And... As you were saying, when I'm referring to energy here, I'm talking about more of the physiological energy. So the energy that our cells are using to function, uh, a lot of times we'll be talking about ATP production in the mitochondria. And 
there is not such a difference between that and and maybe an emotional and spiritual energy. And I think there's a lot of overlap there as well. But in terms of the physiology and biology, talking about that sort of cellular biochemical energy. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a it's a symptom. So the divine masculine, divine feminine are the foundations. And then one of the representations of that through the physical being is this is the biochemical output, right? Is the biochemical. So just to maybe put that dot together for people listening, that it's not two different worlds, it's an expression of one. So with that, I think what we'll do, and just to because I know that this show, what we're going to get into today is uh I'm going to try and hit in both worlds. We're going to start in this physical world and we're going to hit on some things and then we're going to go to the abstract spiritual. So where I want to start, I think for people, Jay, is let's, if you're comfortable with it, share with me a typical day in the, through the bioenergetic approach. And we'll, we'll sort of narrow the scope because like you said, the bioenergetic approach is much more than the food piece, the diet piece. But that's I want to hone in on that because I think that's going to give the most value here today. And I think in the future, we could do another show on the exercise pieces and all those elements. But let's, if you could give me just a, a rough overview of your day through the bioenergetic approach. And then what I'll do is I'm going to pick out some common elements that I know I've faced and that other people have faced and we'll go from there. So does that sound good for you? Yeah, it sounds good. I will say as a disclaimer, so I'm traveling through Latin America and in a different country every six months or so. And that means that my food changes dramatically the, you know, both in types and, and there's all sorts of variety. And so it looks different now from when I was in, when I was in the States, from when I was in Costa Rica, Ecuador, and now in Mexico. And so the reason I wanted to mention that is because the principles will largely be the same, but anytime I'm sharing what I'm eating day to day, I always like to put this disclaimer that this doesn't mean that this is the right, any of these things are the right food. And there are principles that are important, but there's a lot of right ways to do it, of course. And I'm using right in like quotations and, and kind of a more uh, facetious way where, where there's not just one right way to do it. So Yes. Thank you for that disclaimer. And yeah, what we'll do is just to be clear for everyone, we are all biochemically individualized, right? And that is really a big approach of the view of the bioenergetic view. So yeah, give us the rough flow, my friend, and then we'll break down some components. Sure. Sure. So a typical day will, as far as nutrition goes, normally within the first 15 to 20 minutes of when I wake up, I'm including some form of carbohydrate. Normally it'll be orange juice, or if there's no, if I don't have any orange juice at the time, maybe it'll be some watermelon or some fruit, uh, normally to get some liquid in and also some carbohydrate. And then normally that'll kind of lead into cooking breakfast, which recently has been an omelet with uh, so with whole eggs and a bit of uh, chicken and cheese and salsa here in Mexico, which is there's some pretty great salsa here. Yum. And I'm, uh, yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes I'll have a, a little bit, maybe more fruit with that. So maybe it's a mango or uh, here there's uh, rambutans, which are kind of like lychees, something along those lines. And uh, I'll have coffee with uh, recently it's been goat milk in the coffee and, and some sugar as well. And so that'll be kind of up through breakfast. 
Should I continue? Yep, keep going. I, I, what I'll do, okay. I'm gonna, so I'll wait till you finish the whole thing and then I, I already have some things flowing. So let's go up till bedtime and then I'll jump in. Perfect. So yeah, normally normally it's like a one-to-one coffee to milk. So a lot of milk in there and it'll be two cups, which is basically one cup of coffee and one cup of milk, maybe one and a half of each. And that'll normally take me until lunch, kind of similar to breakfast. So a little bit before lunch, I'll start off with some fruit. Uh, again, mangoes or banana or dates, depending on what's available. And I might have another kind of snack along with that, maybe some cheese or some potato chips cooked in coconut or olive oil. And then I'll have a more solid lunch, which here has been tacos or quesadillas that I'm making myself with some uh, homemade tortillas. And those aren't made by me. So we're purchasing homemade tortillas. And sometimes it'll be it'll be some form of meat, maybe chicken or beef, or, or they'll do here. They actually do goat meat as well or sheep. So a lot of variety <laughs> and uh, some, so some sort of meat, uh, maybe some cheese again, some salsa, some peppers, maybe some onions. And so a couple of tacos or a quesadilla generally with those same ingredients and maybe, uh, again, fruit or juice with, with that as well. And normally a few hours later. Yep. And then dinner, dinner is a, the mixture of things as well. Yeah. So normally between lunch and dinner, I will have a snack, uh, again, normally fruit, maybe some chocolate, maybe some dried fruit, some dates, um, you know, the banana chips, I found banana chips recently, which are bananas cooked in coconut oil, things like that. And then dinner will be some sort of, it might be seafood. It might be, you know, some sort of animal protein source. So fish or shrimp, it might be some sort of meat, maybe an organ meat like liver, or I'm having ground meat or uh, short ribs, any, any kind of variety there, normally with potatoes or sweet potatoes, maybe some carrots or onions. Uh, and then, yeah, the, then I guess, sorry, I'm trying to no, no, think of a typical day. You're good. So, so that I can jump in here. So this is, so thank you for sharing that, my friend. And the reason I wanted to do this, cause I want, I want to give this example to then build some things off here. Cause this, there are a few things going on here. And first of all, I want to just make this very clear to people listening. What you did, what you heard in there is a couple different components. I'm going to break these down and then we're going to go through them individually. Firstly, what you heard is there's just eating. It's just, it is, there's no, like if you compare that to a, maybe a time restricted eating or an intermittent fasting, that would be blasphemous. First of all, what you just said, just the, all that constantly sort of beautiful eating. Secondly, there is a lot of, a lot of fruit, a lot of carbs, right? Which is again, another sort of, um, element within a lot of the diets in the world that are sort of, there's a lot of fear against carbs. There's a lot of fruit, fructose, which I'm going to come back to. But what you didn't hear was there was no refined, there was no sort of artificial sugars. There was no refined hydrogenized vegetable oils. There was, there was dairy, but there was the good dairy, not the processed, homogenized, pasteurized dairy. There was no, not too many grains. I think correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're a little bit, but not too much emphasis on the sort of uh, refined white grains and the breads. So what I'm getting at here is what Jay outlined, another component of the bioenergetic view from my understanding is it's all whole food, real food based, right? And that's a very big difference when we start talking about the energy that we can take in 
it's the type of the carbs rather than the carbs themselves that's causing the imbalance in the energy production. Is that is that a good sort of synopsis, my friend, from the from the view? It's a huge, yeah, yeah, huge piece there. I think you touched on, yeah, the types of carbs matter a lot. The f- types of fat matter matters yes. a lot as well. Yeah, and that's the other. So, and that's the other component within the, each of the meals that you were talking about. There was a ratio between the healthy fats, healthy meats, proteins, and the healthy carbs. So that's the other piece. So let's now break this. So thank you for sharing that, my friend. And I'm very envious of your beautiful travels that you're doing within this approach. I um let's I'm gonna pull out a couple of these components to speak about specifically for people. So let's talk about first the 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 fasting piece, the the lack of fasting within the bioenergetic view. I would love to hear your thoughts on you know why in your perspective, why sort of this idea of intermittent fasting, hormesis, which is the sort of healthy stress and putting people can't see it, but you can see my my advert of fingers going crazy here. And why sort of the, the restriction of of a feeding window isn't very present within the bioenergetic view. Yeah. So you definitely touched on it there with the hormesis, which is a perspective that I think a lot of people are unaware of, but is something that is really the underpinnings of many of the interventions that people are doing, whether they're aware of it or not. And the idea with the hormesis is we're trying to induce some stress so that our bodies become stronger. And that's largely the, the, what's generally thought of as the reason why we'd want to fast is that we want our bodies to be deprived of food for a little while. So they have to dig into a bit of stress. They have to produce those stress hormones. And the idea that that's going to increase the cleanup processes, that's going to extend our longevity. It's going to make us stronger because we've endured some stress. And this is, of course, something that extends in all sorts of areas. But just to keep it at the fasting, that is a perspective that I don't agree with. And I think... Instead, and this is kind of what I was mentioning earlier as far as something that was such a uh, major switch for me, is instead considering the idea that actually nourishing and supporting our bodies almost as, I mean, pretty much as much as possible is what leads to our greatest energetic capacity and our greatest function. And so there's a, a difference in principle there and there's reason for it and there's physiological mechanisms and we can dig in as deep as you'd like, but that's really what the difference is. And so instead of relying on that stress of fasting, and dipping into the cortisol production and all of that, I prefer to fuel our bodies and prevent that from happening at all. And I, I would say that that is the best way to improve our health. And a little disclaimer here, of course, there are certain benefits of fasting that are that have nothing to do with stress. And that I, I think it's worth mentioning that that is largely because it can bring some relief to to a gut that is struggling. So if our gut health isn't great, if we're eating foods that don't that we don't digest well, or we have microbial problems, bacterial overgrowths, and then we fast, that is one way that we feel better. And it's not actually stressful, but there's better ways that we can accomplish yeah. that that benefit to our gut. So that's kind of another piece that's oh, worth I love this, sir, but <laughs> there's so many pieces we could jump off there. And I and unfortunately we're not going to be able to because I wanted to I want to hit a lot of different pieces here. So I'd recommend people really check out Jay's podcast, The Energy Balance. He goes into all of these topics, you know, individually. So just want to push you to that. But I do, before I get to the next topic, I want to ask a question. I was listening to your show this morning and this was a really eye-opener for me. When we fast, 
uh, these mechanisms that, put, that come to play, they require energy. And if we fast and the energy production within our system is not optimized due to for whatever reason, toxins, chemicals, you know, outside stresses, all the things, then we could be fasting, aiming for things like autophagy and, and the healthy apoptosis and things like that. But if the energy balance is not there to begin with, then the fasting is not going to be optimized, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We've gotten a little confused there, I think. This idea of autophagy is that cellular kind of cleanup process. Yeah. And this whole idea came about that we see that in, in degenerative states, if we have diabetes or, or cardiovascular disease or neurodegenerative conditions, we don't perform autophagy as well. And so people have taken this to mean that we need to do things to increase autophagy. That's, that's, that way we can oppose that, that negative state. But autophagy is the things that increase autophagy are the things that create damage and stress. And the problem in those degenerative states are not that there's not damage and stress. Of course, there's a lot there. There's way more there than we, than we would ever want. The problem in those states, as you're saying, is there's not enough energy to undergo autophagy, to clean things up in a constructive way. And so instead of focusing on trying to create more damage and stress to create more autophagy, we actually would want to be focusing on providing that energy so it's done properly. So we've gotten a little, yeah, it's, Gotten a little yeah. backwards. <laughs> so then this leads to a question here before we move on from fasting is, so is there room in the bioenergetic approach for fasting? But would you rather say instead of doing it on a day-to-day basis, maybe it's more of a sort of sporadic every two to three days, maybe you restrict some of that weaner so you can so you can have that balance between fueling the system, you know, optimizing the energy pathway. So then when you do decide to fast, then it does, it's actually working to the degree it should be. Is that, is that a good analysis of it? Would you agree with that? It's certainly better, but it, so it, it would kind of depend on what the goal is with the fasting. And if yeah. the goal is still trying to induce the stress to induce the autophagy, I would say, A, it's not necessary. And B, I still think it's rather, it comes at some extent of a cost. And we're always, we're going to be, we're going to be getting enough stress. <laughs> like I would kind of say, like, don't worry about getting enough stress. You'll get enough between just regular lifestyles and work and fights with significant others and also our day-to-day life, right? Moving around, maybe doing some exercise. Stress is, is going to happen there and we certainly don't need to be adding more on. And I don't ever think that too little stress is the problem. And so we don't need that stress to activate the autophagy. It's a process that'll go on when our metabolism is very high. For example, if we have good thyroid hormone activity, that alone is enough to activate autophagy. And there's, we actually are able to activate those same processes in both a low energy and high energy state. Not it, it's, and it's not a situation where you have the state and then you can fast in a low energy state or fast in a high energy state. And it's different. We can actually activate the process through this, through producing a lot of energy so what happens is there's an overlapping signal where when we're under stress, our, our cells say enough, we can't keep producing energy. It's too damaging right now. We need to focus more on cleanup and, and fixing what's wrong. There's a very parallel thing that happens when we have a lot of energy. Our cells say we don't need any more. So let's work on cleaning up and creating more structure and creating more mitochondria. And so it actually can trigger the same signal without inducing the stress at all. Wow. Yeah, so that's a big one. That's I'm having a domino there. So the autophagy can actually occur in the inner state of 
energy surplus in a state of consuming mm-hmm. and eating and doing other things. That's a big one. I love it. Um, all right, let's let's shift here. Another piece I want to hit on is fruit. <laughs> is fruit. And within your with your example that you gave of your day, there was a lot of there's a lot of fruit, a lot of cons- consumption of fruit. And I think for a lot of my vegan slash vegetarian listeners, this is not new to you. But I think for a lot of my paleo, maybe carnivore, maybe uh, keto listeners, when you hear the addition of fruit, there's a lot of red flags that go up, right? We we seem to put fruit, and I know I have in the past, put fruit in the same category as refined artificial sugars and sweeteners. And we need to be, they need to be, we need to be very mindful of this. So let's start with this. What do you, what do you, what's your perspectives on fruit specifically within as a healthy carbs, as a healthy carb with fiber, all the things and why we shouldn't be within this lens of energy and having a, a beautiful day where we're connecting into the foods that we eat and listening to our body. Why is fruit such a pivotal role within the bioenergetic approach? So I would say that fruit is our, in general, our best source of carbohydrates we have available. There are some other very close seconds like like roots and tubers and squashes. Uh, but I would say fruit is, is kind of at the top there. And those other ones are great too. And this is because they provide a great source of carbohydrates. They also provide some great vitamins and minerals. They provide some polyphenols, bioflavonoids that have all sorts of benefits whether most of those benefits are actually in our gut, they actually really help to restore our gut health. And they, uh, I don't know if I mentioned fiber, but they also have certain types of fibers that are particularly beneficial for our gut, have some very unique effects. And that's a big one. That's a big one just in terms of people listening. That's going to have a totally different impact on you versus if that fiber was not present and you were taking in just an artificial source of that, right? So yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. As compared to a refined source, we've got the vitamins and minerals, the polyphenols, the fibers, those things make things all make a big difference. Now for the person who is keto and is saying, yeah, maybe fruit is the best carb source, but I, I don't want carbs. Why would I want carbs? And, and that's of course a, a separate conversation to keep it simple. What I would say is that fats are great, but as a fuel fat is our backup energy source. If we're in a famine, if we're starving, if we're in a stress state, we resort to burning fat and it's great to have it there, but it acts as a signal that we need to slow our metabolism down. We need to conserve energy so that way we can survive whatever stress we're undergoing. And again, it's great that we can do that to survive, but it comes at the cost of turning down the energy we're producing, uh, going into kind of like a low battery state. It means lower activity cognitively, lower activity in terms of our reproductive function, lower digestive function. And so carbohydrates are that signal that say, hey, we actually have really great abundant food available and turns up all those processes, turns on all those hormones. And so that's really where I would say uh, we, this is why we actually could use some carbohydrates and they're yeah, really helpful from the energy producing standpoint. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and the thyroid, the thyroid is a big one, my friend. I know you speak a lot about this, but I'm just going to, I'm going to pop in my mom here because my mom, not just me, but my mom is a big fan of the work that you do and the and your podcast and all the things you talk about and uh you know she she's moving through that challenge specifically and we've both taken on this this approach based off your work and some other resources and um that's one of her main reasons is to help with that thyroid health as we age and just for people listening out there i've done a, a couple of episodes on hormonal health but there's so many other factors 
that are contributing to thyroid challenge. And if you can just change this perspective of the food piece and and adding in this energy through fruit and through this bioenergetic view, now we're starting to support that thyroid healing. We're now we're now starting to support that energy production storehouse that the thyroid sort of controls. Let's. I want to go back to one of the things that came up for me with fruit. I think it was probably from being paleo, or um, you know, there's a lot of the fears around excess sugar is candida, right? So I think candida is a challenge that when people start bringing in more carbs specifically and also uh, fruit, there's this fear that, you know, the microbiome, which is a, which is a balance between bacteria, parasites, fungal elements, when we start bringing in too much carbs, specifically in the fruit form, there is this fear that, oh, I'm going to I'm going to push it too much into that into that overflow potential candida overgrowth. What what are your thoughts on this my friend when fears of candida come up around fruit? So there's you know there is some important reasoning there and if we have an overgrowth whether it's candida or bacterial and it's especially really high in our intestines and we eat carbohydrate based foods it will feed those things and that will generally not make us feel great. It might lead to some bloating, some gas, it might aggravate brain fog, all sorts of other symptoms. It's a legitimate concern. And at the same time, I don't think that means that we should be avoiding carbohydrates. The first thing I would say is in that case, we might need to adjust the types that we're having. So we might need to lean toward, well, first off, we would certainly want to lean away from the much harder to digest ones, the grains and legumes, unless they're very, very well processed. Uh, but even then, if you're dealing with this overgrowth, it can still be a bit of a of an issue. Uh, the raw vegetables, the nuts and seeds, which those aren't as much carbohydrates, but still have some difficulty with digestion. Those things can all especially aggravate those issues. And fruits generally are less, much less likely to because the carbohydrates digested much quicker, much easier. But the, there are still fibers in those fruits, and the more fibrous ones could also sometimes aggravate those overgrowth. So it is there is a concern there, and that actually might be a situation where I might lean more toward again less fibrous fruits, maybe more honey, maple syrup, or juice. Yeah, and that's a way that we can take in carbohydrates and absorb the carbohydrates way before it's getting to the overgrowth. And so that is an important piece to consider. And I, I do think we need to adjust our fiber intake based on our gut health. When our gut is healthy, those fibers are super important and help to maintain a healthy microbiome. But when we have these overgrowths, it can aggravate symptoms. Now, a key point here that I think is really worth mentioning when it comes to candida, or I guess two points. So one is that a fungus and candida is a fungus thrives at low body temperatures. You read my mind. That's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So there's some really great research showing that uh, even just small differences, you know, 97 degrees Fahrenheit versus 98 and a half degrees Fahrenheit, uh, which is in Celsius, we're talking like 36.5 versus 36.7. Just differences like that can, <laughs> thanks. So those can allow for uh, for a difference in terms of candida growth and that, and the fungal growth uh, fungus is much more likely to grow when our body temperature is lower and the main regulator of our body temperatures are thyroid activity. And as you were saying, carbs are really important for keeping that thyroid activity up. So continuing to avoid the carbs while you have a candida issue 
can allow it to remain for way longer. And sometimes it'll be a little bit more dormant if you're not feeding it, but it'll stay and, and eventually grow. And that's the other piece too, which is that when candida doesn't have enough fuel, it goes looking for it. And so they, they, there's a lot of research here where what they find is that if you deprive them excessively of glucose or carbohydrate, they'll become more filamentous. They're, they'll grow out these filaments and start to spread. And so I'm not saying we want to be feeding tons of carbs into a, an overgrowth. We'll typically get some symptoms, but the idea that we just want to starve it and that that's going to be the resolution doesn't play out in terms of the physiology. And I've seen that so many times that it doesn't play out in terms of how the clients are actually feeling and, and how people are actually experiencing candida issues. Yeah. It's big. That's a, again, that's another gem just for people listening. That's a big one for, for everyone to understand. Again, it, when it, we're going back to, it's not the carbs, it's the type of the carbs here that we're really speaking about. And it's these beautiful nuances that I really, it's what I appreciate I appreciate it by the bioenergetic approach in general is that it starts to now help you see that, Oh, there's some, there's some changes here that I can make of based off my choices that are nuanced that are going to appeal to me. And what I would just add to this is two things. One is look at that gut, right? So what is the state of the gut? And when we're looking to remove carbohydrates, like you said, Look at those refined artificial carbohydrates first, right? Look at those refined grains. Look at the not the not the real whole food sugars in the fructose form, right? But the, the refined sugars, the artificial sugars that are causing the dysbiosis in the gut to begin with. And I think it's also worth noting when that when those candida candida elements go looking, that is also a stepping stone to a parasite infection too, right? Because we know that the paras a parasitical infection is going to usually come after in many ways a candida imbalance, right? Because they're feeding off that candida overgrowth. So yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of little rabbit holes we can go down here. But let's I'm gonna throw one more one more physical element here of the bioenergetic approach. And then I want to go deeper into some spiritual lenses here with you, my friend. And the last piece I want to hit on is I know this has been a big shift for me taking in the bioenergetic approach and it sort of comes into the feeding window and the fasting element we were talking about. And it's this idea of really leaving two, three, four hours of a window before we go to bed. And this is going to, this is going to help us sleep better. This is going to help us get into deep sleep. It's going to give our gut a rest so we can go into the restoration that we, we need. And I know this is not what I've found and I know that the bioenergetic approach kind of has a different perspective on this. So can you speak to the idea of feeding before sleep and how that can support all the things that sleep is good for? Definitely. So it's true that having a, a big heavy meal before bed typically it puts a bit of a burden on us and isn't normally comfortable, but that doesn't mean that we don't want to eat anything in those hours before bed. And the reason for that, kind of coming back to fasting, as you said, is when we're asleep, we're fasting. And we aren't, you know, because there's no food coming in, our bodies, well, maybe not our body, but especially our brain and our organs are all very active. And honestly, other tissues are too. There's a lot of rebuilding going on. We're using a lot of energy during the night, a lot of repairs happening. And that requires energy, which requires fuel. And so if we're not taking that fuel in, it has to come from our stores. 
And in terms of glucose, we're storing a lot of that glucose as glycogen in our liver. Our muscles store it too, but that stays in the muscles, whereas the liver glycogen is sent out and that is used by our brain especially, which is pretty active when we're sleeping. And so because we're not uh, eating overnight, we're using that stored fuel. And if there's not very much stored, then that can lead to us waking up during the night and having bursts of stress and a lot of people experience this. They'll wake up maybe 2 or 3 a.m. Sometimes they're hungry. Sometimes there's, their heart's racing. Sometimes they just can't get back to bed. And that's normally because we've run out of fuel. And we're normally supposed to run out of fuel, but not until we've slept eight, you know, eight or nine or 10 hours, however long it is. And that's naturally supposed to wake us up. We're supposed to have a surge of stress hormones in the morning. But if that's happening too early, it's normally because we don't have enough fuel stored. There can be some other reasons too, but... In order to kind of top off that fuel tank, it can actually be really helpful to have a bit of, of food in the evening. So yeah. mostly carb and fat based uh, like snack is what I suggest. And we didn't get to that when we were talking about my uh, my day of eating. But you know, I'll have my dinner, and then yeah, and then normally a couple hours later, I will have some sort of snack. So lately, we made some baked apples, and there's some really great quality ice cream here that's just milk and eggs and and sugar and salt. And so I'll do some baked apples and, and a bit of ice cream. Sometimes it might be a bit of fruit and chocolate, something like that, but a nice combination of fat and carbs so that my fuel stores are topped off so I can sleep deeply all the way through the night. And I will say also, it normally helps with falling asleep too. Somebody struggling to fall asleep, one huge component could be that their fuel stores aren't topped off enough. And so their body isn't able to get into that relaxed, energetic state. And I don't want to go on too much of a tangent no, here, but good. Good, sir. yeah. Great. <laughs> it's a, the re, I wanted to mention that energetic, when we're looking at what's going on in terms of physiological energy at the cell, an energetic state is actually a relaxed, ready state where the cell can do what it needs to do and it has the energy available to do it. And as such, it's relaxed. Whereas a contracted state tends to be a state of low energy. And the clearest example, which is kind of a morbid one, but when we die, we go into rigor mortis which is when all of the entire, every single muscle tightens and it's rock hard. And that's because there's no energy there. The energy is actually what keeps us able to, to move like and internally and externally and, and flow, flow yes. and allow. So yeah. let me jump in here, Jay. So this is, <clears throat> well, now, and this is going to be a beautiful segue into more of the spiritual elements here, but this is, I hope people are getting the understanding of really not the, not the biochemical energetic. I hope you're getting that from everything that Jay is highlighting, but now sort of seeing this, this divine masculine and feminine trend here, all those, all those words that you just talked about, the rigid, the, the, you know, needing a space of, you know, allowing to actually have energy to flow, right? This is the, this is the comparison here between the divine masculine, and divine feminine, right? We don't want to avoid one or the other, but we want to have a balance between both, right? We don't want to be in that masculine state all the time because that's what, as you're alluding to here through the bioenergetic view, we get to a point where we become so rigid, so tight, so in a box and a way of being that energy actually gets to the point where it can't flow anymore. We start to have challenges. We start to have the thyroid. We start to have the gut dysbiosis, the things that we've been talking about. So these are all manifestations here. And I just, I just want to add this in because my mom will laugh. The, uh, the baked fruit piece is something that before bed, that snack, it's such a beautiful idea that I've yet to do, but she keeps 
she's done it. She's incorporated into her world and she keeps telling you need to do this. It's amazing. So I just thought that was funny that you added that in because it's on my list of to do's, but (laughs) (laughs) it's brand new for me too. I've, uh, I've recommended it. I know a lot of people like it, but I just did it for, uh, just this last week or two for the first time because we had some good organic apples. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just hearing how amazing it is. Let's, let's shift here now, Jake, because this is, I think this is, like I said, this is a beautiful segue into, okay, let's go deeper with this. So we've just highlighted some elements from the physical lens, some practical pieces that people can start experimenting with. And the the theme here that I've been picking up is there's a lot of just, you know, making sure that we're removing a lot of the harmful components. Again, the refined products, the artificial products, the refined oils, adding in all these beautiful whole food elements. But then once you've done that, as you've been hearing from what Jay is saying, there's a lot of one, just flowing and listening to your body and allowing the day to move without these rigid boxes. But two, there's a lot of, again, tuning into your power and what you need. And you mentioned this in our pre-chat, and I want to bring this in now. The bioenergetic view is very anti-authoritarianism, right? It's very sort of taking our power back, right? And realizing that, yes, we do need people outside of us from time to time for support, guidance, and love and assistance. But at the end of the day, our power resides within us. And if we can start listening to that power, it's going to come out a lot more. So what what's your views here, my friend, on how the bioenergetic approach sort of factors into this, you know, collective perspective? Yeah. So the idea of authoritarianism is essentially that we need to subscribe to authority for our views, right? So what we're told by the doctor, the teacher, the the person in the authority state, the authority figure, they know what's right. We don't question it. They, they tell it to us and, and we follow. And that is something that is very, you know, and, and along with that, that means we don't listen to what we're experiencing. We aren't open to alternative possibilities. We aren't thinking outside the box. And so the bioenergetic view is one that's not particularly compatible with that and was something that really changed things for me as well. One of those, those other pieces that really drew me in and the listening to our bodies was a major one because it is in some ways impossible to like to do and to acknowledge how our bodies are feeling when we think that what we're doing is right and it involves us not feeling good <laughs> in some way. And so it makes it very tough. You, you can only listen so much. And, and so it's much more compatible with this view where when we're hungry, instead of needing to further our fast, it's actually a signal that, that we're in need of fuel and energy. And there's a whole hormonal reason and, and, and yeah. a physiological energetic reason. And, and yeah, and as well. And so there's all sorts of reasons, but, but tuning into that, listening to that gives us really amazing information. And within the bioenergetic viewer as a part of it, experimentation and testing things is considered to be a, like a really important tenet uh, that, we want to, of course, consider individuality, but also acknowledge that we don't know everything. And and there are certain principles that we think are right, but they also might not be. And regardless of who says them, we want to 
we want to consider our own experience and our own experience being so important when we're evaluating whether anything is working or whether something is maybe accurate and using that in the same way that we would like just as importantly as we would maybe use a textbook, right? Yes. Which is not, <laughs> not at all what yes. we're told so, so this much is, of the time. So. so so thank you for elaborating, my friend. This is, you know, if people have been listening to my show for a while now, this is now where we're sort of the the physical and the anatomical, physiological responses comes about through the things that we've been talking about today this is now where it matches and starts to flow into our other ways of being so what i mean by this is i did a show uh about a month ago now between the difference talking about the difference between thinking feeling sensing and intuiting and you know what jay's talking about with the textbooks and seeing professionals and doctors and this power outside of ourselves that often falls within the thinking world, right? We get in, we fall into a belief system, right? And within that belief system, we use the facts and the logic and the understanding to define our way of being in this world and showing up. But that is not all that we are. We aren't just thinking beings. It's a powerful part of us. And do not get me wrong. It's, we need it. It's what helps us be the humans that we are, but that's not all that we are, right? And our body speaks in many other ways. And, what Jay is saying here with the bioenergetic approach and what we've been talking about today, when we start to listen and create the space for our body to speak in these other ways, right, through our senses, through our feelings, right? We know that, and I added in the emotional piece around eating before, often if I'm craving something, yes, energy, like we've been talking about today, but if we can go another layer deep, often there is an emotional reason, right? There's um, what am I not getting? What am I not listening to? What am I not expressing and feeling? If we don't have this conversation at all and we're constantly going outwards, then that's going to continue whether we like it or not and probably come up as a chronic symptom down the road. Do you, does that resonate, my friend? Absolutely. And I think it's also, from my view, I think it's very much a two-way street between, even if we just look at emotions and the physiology. And in that, I think it's much easier to be open emotionally to examine and explore your own emotional side when you have the physical, physiological energy to be relaxed all the way on that cellular level and to invite those things in. And and I see that with clients who when in the start of their journey, that's never on, it's never something that's on their table, right? They're never, most of the time, they're not coming to me with that intention. Uh, but so often it's something that comes out just a re-examining of every aspect of of their lives because you're not stuck in a stressed, cons- contracted, conserve- conservation type state where that's not a time for inward thinking or even larger thinking, larger philosophical thinking or exploring all of the oddities and possibilities, right? So, yeah, I think it's very much a, a bi-directional relationship. Yep. And uh, I'm going to share this with you, my friend, because you probably don't haven't put this together. The name of my podcast is the Cosmic Love Antenna, and the way the why I use that analogy is I use it in my coaching too. We are, in my opinion, we are all cosmic love antennas, and what that means is, like an antenna system, there's two main parts, right? There's the frequency that's flowing within it, right? That's our spirit, that's our emotions, that's our sort of mental thought patterns. But then the the other part of the antenna system is the structure that supports the frequency to flow, right? And like you're saying, it's bi-directional. We need both. We need to remove the traumas, the pains, 
the spiritual, emotional, mental challenges that stop the frequency from emitting. But then we need to be mindful of grounding back into the physiology, creating the structure, the healthy structure to support that frequency to be emitted out into the cosmos, right? So that's I'm, I'm there with you, my friend, and I could not agree more. And just for people listening, as Jay is beautifully highlighting, it goes both ways, right? So when we support the spiritual being, the emotional being, it supports the physiology. When we support the physiology through the things that we've been talking about today, through the gut, through the, you know, the feeding, the nourishment of the activation of the energy, it supports the spiritual being, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Let's, um, Jay, I want to hit on one more topic here before we finish. And another sort of, and this was your idea too, but, and I love it. And I want to make sure this sort of adds into this chat we're having is this idea of co cooperation versus competition, right? And how the bioenergetic view really promotes rather than seeing us as separate from the outside world and us as the individual, right? There's a, there's a separation that's apparent. It's rather a co cooperation of what's going on between our internal terrain and the outside world and the choices that we're making. So do you want to maybe speak to this element of the bioenergetic view and what factors in around this? Yeah, there's some fun <laughs> routes we can go down here. The Maybe the first that we'll start with, because I'd like to get back to, you know, kind of bookmark talking about an actual more altruistic community oriented way of being. But even a step before that, you were kind of talking about, of course, us not being separate from our environment. And in the same way that we were talking about a two-way street between our emotions and, and our physiology, of course, the exact same is true between us and every aspect and every being around us. And this, this exists physiologically as well. And the dogma used to be that we have our genes, we have our line of genes that these are what make us human and what make each of us an individual. And they don't change except for sometimes randomly they change. And that's it. There's no direction. There's no construction. It randomly changes. And if it happens to fit in the environment, great. That, that gene line lives on. And, you know, it's kind of bleak, but it's also entirely separate from everything else. There's no relationship. The environment doesn't affect those genes. And there's, we are completely separate from every other being that has its own genes. And there's a lot of really fascinating lines of research that suggest that that is not at all the case. It's starting to become more recognized with this uh, idea of epigenetics, which is that our genes can turn on and off based on what's going on in our environment. But it actually goes beyond that as well. There's some really interesting work showing that we are taking up the direct genetic material of everything around us, the food that we're eating, animals we come in contact with, other humans, of course, and that those things also affect our physiology. And those things all get passed down as well. And, and the state that we're in and the state of our environment, all of that information makes it down through future generations. Even so just a, a quick example here, a very cool study where, and I might butcher it slightly, but <laughs> there's uh, pregnant rats, I believe. I don't remember if they're pregnant or not when this happens, but they're uh, exposed to cat urine and some sort of something else to make them fearful of it. And then the offspring, yeah, actually 
that fear gets passed down and they then experience that same fear. And we can take that in, you know, there's obviously some ways that things can get passed down in what we could call a negative or defensive way, but also an opposite way too. And yeah, every, every aspect of our environment has such a profound impact. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, uh, creates a beautiful picture. I love it. So this is, yeah, there are a lot, there's a lot of pieces that we can jump off on here, but that's that just for my audience, this is not going to be new to you. But if you've heard me speaking about, ancestral healing you've taught you heard me speaking about past lives you've heard me speaking about the you know being the breaker of chains right now this is again this is where it's coalescing this bioenergetic view coalesces with this spiritual understanding that you know and i'll just give one very you know simple understanding here if anyone's done hip uh, hypnotherapy and gone into a past life regression or gone down your ancestral line you can start to see a lot of these these genetic things that are passed on, but then the choices that we've made to turn on the epigenetic switch on or off to either exacerbate that that gene expression or to avoid it entirely, right? And this is where, you know, we've been talking about the, the diet choices and the fasting and the, the, the good dairy and the fructose, all the things. These are the choices, right? These are the choices, just to make this very clear, these are the choices that are that we can make and feel empowered by to, to connect to and work with the environment that's coming into our world to express one thing or another. Right. And I'll add one more piece here and maybe and get your thoughts on this, sir. And this is, this is spiritual. So we'll, we're at this stage now. I truly believe, right. We are, we are a microcosm of the macrocosm, right. And this, this expression, this exchange, small versus big, big versus small, this is happening on every single scale that we see, right? So for example, this is happening within our bodies, right? We have each little cell that makes up a organ and each organ makes up us as the being. But then you could keep going with that, right? We as a collective are parts of a bigger group consciousness. This earth is a part of a solar system that is a part of a bigger. So you can see how this is a trend that keeps expanding outwards. Does this, does this resonate with you, my friend? Yeah. I, I mean, it resonates in that I normally, when I'm thinking about what's going on physiologically or on an individual, I think there's, I don't see a separation between that and where we are going in terms of humanity. I think that the, I'm, yeah, and I think you you see that as far as how we progress on both a again an individual level, a community level, and on and on. I think that all of these are reflections of what is going on energetically, both physiologically and and maybe other things that are directly interrelated with that too. Have you seen? It's a question that bubbles up, my friend, with your with your podcast and the and the work that you're doing. Have you seen? The ripple effect of this. So I, I know I can speak this from my podcast, but I know yours, right? The work that you're doing and spreading this perspective and this teaching from Ray Pete and all the work that you're that you're sort of moving into. Have you seen a ripple effect from this just in your community and your collective and people around you? Definitely. I, I mean, it's part of it, of course, maybe there's some confirmation bias, right? The kind of people who I'm I'm talking with are all in, you know, a lot of times a lot of my friends and my community has become this community, right? The community of people who are looking at life and the world through these sorts of lenses. And, and I think there's a reason why it 
gravitates in that direction. Yeah. We, we attract what we are. And that's a whole other conversation. Jay, I want to be mindful of your time. And I want to, I have one more final question for you. But before I get to that, I want to give you the opportunity now if people have really connected into your, <clears throat> into your energy and they are pulled to this work, this bioenergetic view, they want to know more. Is there something you can share? I know you have your podcast. I know you're a fellow coach yourself. Where can you direct people if they want to dive deeper into all of the beautiful expressions you're sharing with the world? Yeah. So the first place I would suggest people go, especially, you know, we talked about this on all sorts of levels today, but if someone's looking for some great actionable steps and some foundational ideas as far as in the physical sense and nutritional sense and movement sense, what they can do to improve, increase their energy and then translate, you know, have that translate to better sleep and better gut health and, and thyroid activity and all sorts of other issues. Uh, then, yeah, the first place I'd recommend people go is to jfeldmanwellness.com slash energy, and they can sign up for a free mini course, a free seven-day mini course that's geared exactly toward that and how they can increase their energy, improve their energy balance. So that's jfeldmanwellness.com slash energy. And that's my website as well. If they head over to jfeldmanwellness.com, I've got articles. You can also find my podcast, which I appreciate that you had plugged earlier. It's called the Energy Balance Podcast. And that can be found anywhere you're listening to podcasts. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we break down a lot more in the biochemistry and the physiology of some of the principles that we discussed today, especially, you know, if someone's, I don't know, maybe it was, <laughs> was still some resistance to the idea of fructose, including fructose or including animal products or whatever it is. Uh, those are all things we break down on our podcast. Yeah. And you're, you're being very modest, my friend. You do much more than that. It's not just the fructose and the animal products it's you know the fasting it's the exercise it's you know it's very comprehensive what you've done over from just from that part of your work so yeah i would push people over to listen to that show and it is more uh biochemical and you go into a lot of the science around it but you know all my listeners you're right there with that and you you have the heart you have the brain to go there so definitely check it out tune in uh i will put as always all the details everything that uh, the beautiful Jay just highlighted. If you go to the show notes of this episode, you'll see all the links. You'll see all of the details where you can connect to him directly and listen to all of the things he's sharing with the world. Jay, my final question for you, and uh, I'm going to test you here, sir, because this is we're going to we're going to go deep here. This is the last piece, this last sort of spiritual question I have for you, and I have been seeding it throughout this chat. I talked to you. I gave you the cosmic love antenna analogy, and really. The reason for this show is to really help people pull back the layers restricting our inner love, our soul, our spirits, all that we are from being shared with the world, right? And many of those layers are in the physical, like we've been talking about today. So I'm wondering, Jay, how do you define that love word? You you personally, how does how do you define love in your world as an individual or how you interact with others? Oh, <laughs> all right. You got to give me a second to, uh, yeah. to <laughs> take your time, my friend. Cause I know this is the reason I asked this question is because it does take us to that deep space. Yeah. And I know whatever I say, I'll be thinking about this a few minutes later and have something else to, to <laughs> some other way to addend it or to adjust it. What's coming to mind now, whether or not this is my final answer, I'm just going to this, this is what's coming to mind. I, I think it's, I think love is the, 
recognition of the lack of distinction distinction between ourselves between us and something or someone else so in other words recognizing that we are one in the same recognizing that connection between us jay i've heard many definitions of that love word with doing this podcast and just speaking to that beautiful mind and that heart of yours that was just as valuable of an answer as any of them my friends so that was powerful i could not agree more and Jay, I love you very much. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for sharing your beautiful mind and all of your wisdom and knowledge around the bioenergetics and this important perspective that I know has helped me very much. And I hope it's going to help people listening. Uh, until next time, sir, I think we're going to have to do another chat. We can go into some other aspects of the bioenergetic view. Just people, if you weren't aware, <laughs> we've only just hit the surface of all this and there's so many more layers to go. So I'd love to have you back in the future, Jay, and we can have another conversation, go deeper into this. But um, until then, have a beautiful day. Enjoy your travels, all the listeners out there in the world. Have a beautiful evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Until next time here on the Cosmic Love Antenna, we love you very much and have a beautiful day. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow Harrison on Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at Harrison Ma. That's Harrison, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.